Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can create an amazing business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to My Business Playbook. I hope that you're having a wonderful week so far. Today, we are joined by the beautiful, wonderful, clever Elise Greer of Bossy Copywriting. Now, she is the director and head writer of Bossy Copywriting, which is a Melbourne-based copywriting supergroup comprising writers from all over Australia. She's also a contributing writer for Fashion Journal, the host of The Bossy Type, a podcast for bold brands, and my personal favorite, a drinker of too many chili margaritas. I feel like we're going to get along just fine. Now, this episode I'm so excited about. I'm so excited for you to hear about it because it is so practical. Now, if you've ever wanted to outsource to a copywriter, to a copywriting studio, or if you want to get tips, practical tips on how to actually DIY your copywriting, then you are going to love today's episode. Elise is full of wisdom. She is sharing her business journey as well as really practical implementable strategies to help you to write better copy. Now, let's not waste any time. I can't wait for you to hear from Elise. Let's dive straight in. This is my business playbook. Welcome, Elise. It's so good to have you on the show. I am so glad to be finally talking with you. It feels like, and I say this to everyone, but because we're friends on Instagram, it feels like it feels like we're buddies every yeah, time. We're Insta so friends. <laughs> we're Insta friends. So it's so nice to be chatting with you today. And I'm so excited to hear some practical tips about copywriting and for all of our small business owners who are wanting to be able to DIY their copywriting. I know that you've got some amazing tips for them. Mm-hmm. But before we kind of go into the practical tips, I would love to just hear a little bit about Bossy and how you started and and all about what you guys do at Bossy Copywriting. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's definitely been a journey. I started Bossy in 2016. Uh, I actually worked out the other day. I was already 29 when I started Bossy. For some reason, I feel like I was really like much younger and I've had bossy forever and ever. Uh, but that is not the case. So I had quite a different life before I started bossy, but yeah, I've had bossy for four years now. And basically we are like a Melbourne based copywriting studio. So we work with all sorts of industries. We don't really specialize in any particular industry, but we work mostly with brands that want to have a little bit more fun with their copy, which you know. Uh, and then earlier this year, I expanded into what I call the bossy supergroup. So basically now, instead of me having to do every single thing in life, I have a team of freelance writers and editors, and everybody has kind of like their own specialty or skill when it comes to copywriting. So some people are really funny or they're really great with blog content and others are a little bit more corporate. So yeah, it means that we can work with lots of different brands and everybody has yeah their special skill so we can always make sure the best writer is on the case. And in addition to that, I also have my own podcast called The Bossy Type, which is kind of like a how-to for building a bold business or personal brand using words and other fun, creative stuff. So cool. And you definitely have 
a and I think this is why I love what you do so much you have a fun aspect like there is always anytime you post something or any email I get from you it feels like oh this is going to be there's going to be something unexpected or fun or you know it's going to be real and and helpful so that's part of why I love what you do thank you now in, in starting, so you've been running it for about four years. So I think kind of similar to how long I've been running Lala for. Truthfully, I can't really yeah, actually remember exactly when it started. <laughs> yeah. It feels because there's that gray area of side hustle and full-time thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of feels like I, I think I started when I was 23. But, I, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's when I started. Yeah. <laughs> but for you, like – what point at what point did you realize this was a viable business that could actually support you like how was that crossover from side hustle to full-time mm-hmm. business owner yeah so like I said previous to bossy I had quite a different career so I I actually posted about on my Instagram about it last night because it was 10 years ago um, but I won kind of like a dream job with Westfield so I became their blogger and their stylist and I did lots of media and traveling and all sorts of fun things so I ended up being with them for most of my 20s and kind of during that time I still wanted to keep up with some of my blogging and freelance writing so I kind of did that in the side and I also did it on the side when I was working in retail before that as well so that's always been like a big part of my life Uh, and then I guess when I was coming to the end of my time with Bossy at that point I was more of a contractor so I did the typical work with them to kind of pay my bills and then I built Bossy on the side. So it wasn't like I kind of quit my job in this big dramatic scene. I kind of worked with Westfield and then every year I reduced my hours. So I kind of did it a little bit smarter and yeah, I used that kind of like that money, I guess, to pay my bills and then built Bossy on the side. So I guess that really helped me because it kind of took the risk out of it and it meant that I could also focus on the freelance writing side of things while I was still having my kind of like secure income. But I guess the reason I started Bossy was because I wanted to try and figure out a way that I could transfer that writing style that I had through my blogs and my freelance writing and also my personality and transfer that into copywriting for brands because I felt like there wasn't really anything like that at the time. I know we've spoken about this and there's lots of sales copywriting, lots of business copywriting. It's quite serious and I felt like there wasn't anything that was really fun and I also I guess it was a bit selfish because I knew that I would be working, you know, a lot of the week for the rest of my life. So I'm like, I want it to be fun and I want to enjoy going to work. And so, yeah, I just felt like there needed to be a little bit more personality injected into that industry. So that's kind of why I started it and how. That is so, so cool. And so you've kind of had this background in fashion and styling and now you work with a lot of people in that industry, right? But now you're kind of expanding into anything and everything. Do you kind of work with any type of client? Yeah. So I definitely still do some fashion because that was obviously my background, but yeah, I don't really work with any particular industry. So it's not like it's copywriting for, you know, health and wellness or food and beverage or fashion and beauty. I kind of work with everyone from like architecture, technology, fashion. So lots of fun stuff, but then other corporate stuff as well. But I think the common thread is that 
the majority of the brands that I work with all want to have a little bit more fun. So even if it is property or architecture or technology, for, for example, it's usually brands that have a little bit more personality and they want to inject that in their copywriting. So even though it might not be uh, industries that I have background in, I'm still getting to have fun and yeah, inject some of that personality and, and cheekiness into their copy, which is always making my day a bit more fun. I love that. That's so, so good. So when you were starting Bossy, what were the key mindset shifts you needed to make in order to shift from I'm a writer to actually, no, I'm a business owner and this is my, mm. like, I'm kind of the CEO of this thing. Yeah. <laughs> what were the, what was that process like for you? Oh, this is something that I still struggle with now. Like, um, I feel like changing your mindset from being a freelancer or just like someone that works on their own. Like I'm a writer because I'm probably, I'm kind of a bit of an introvert extrovert. So I am pretty outgoing, but at the same time, I like writing because I can do it on my own. I can just sit in my own little bubble and get it done. So to, to take that and kind of become more of like a boss and a CEO and also like a business owner, it's it's kind of scary and it's something that I still work on now because I feel like that doesn't really come naturally to me. So yeah, I've had to make so many mindset shifts and there's still things that I'm chipping away at. But one thing that really comes to mind is for me, I'm like a massive believer in manifestation and kind of just trusting the process. So even if things aren't really working out the way that I want, I just have to always trust the process and understand that obviously things are happening for a reason. So I find that if I'm being particularly stressed or negative, it really directly affects everything at Bossy. Or if I'm really busy and I'm in this kind of like really good zone, I find that I attract more of my dream clients. So I always try and make sure that I am trying to stay really positive, even though if I'm feeling really overwhelmed, because I feel like that really, really helps. Another thing for me is comparing myself. So like most people, I'm my own worst enemy and I'm always comparing myself to what other people are doing on Instagram. And it could be like, just, you know, maybe they've just launched a book or they've gotten now got a podcast or they're starting a new business. And I'm like, how do these people have so much time in their day? (laughs) So I think that for (laughs) me has been a huge mindset shift and really trying to understand that I'm not an imposter and I also have something unique to offer. And I just try and stick to my guns and try not to be kind of influenced or swayed by anyone and what everyone else is doing. Another thing for me is getting over the idea of what success should be. So obviously when you're first starting out, I think your idea of success is having a big team and making lots of money. But when I started, when I think back, the whole reason I started was because I wanted to have more freedom. I wanted to be that person that like took their laptop to a cafe and did work in the morning, like having my scrambled eggs or my smashed avo (laughs) instead (laughs) of being chained to a desk nine to five and having a boss. So I think getting over that typical idea of success and maybe thinking about things a little bit differently, which is how I came up with the idea to build the super group. Um, yeah, just being a little bit more creative and understanding that there's not just one way to succeed. You can think out of the box when it comes to that sort of stuff as well. So that's something that I really try and keep in mind now when I see other people and I'm comparing myself, I try to remember that I'm just doing things, I guess, in a different way, which is 
the boss the bossy philosophy anyway so yeah they're probably the key things but like I said it's a work in progress always oh I love all all of those things (laughs) I feel like so many people relate to I definitely relate to and I I know with the comparison thing I fall into this trap often but if I have a moment where I think oh my gosh I'm not doing enough I've tried to just like physically go okay put down the phone (laughs) like switch off Instagram for a sec and just step outside and just actually breathe and and bring it back to actually what where am I wanting to take my business it's not about someone else's business what they're doing is epic and and beautiful and I want to be someone who's happy for other people when they are succeeding so I think it's it's this thing of you know having those almost almost like trigger points where you go okay I'm feeling a little bit on edge about this and I need to step away and yeah it's so true actually do something yeah and I feel like in this day and age because things are kind of changing you know like there's so many amazing studios that I follow design studios and copywriting studios who have all gone remote now that COVID has happened so I think even those things that are changing the overall landscape you need to keep in mind so yeah it's great to like keep in touch with what people are doing but it is a massive struggle not to compare yourself and look at other people and be like oh they've got 20 staff and I don't have any full-time staff even though you might just be doing things a little bit differently and your idea of success might be very different to theirs as well and what you consider success to be. Absolutely that's so so true and so like when you know building your business and building Bossy I feel like you know, for my journey, I've learned a lot (laughs) from the things that I've done wrong, probably more so than the things that I've got right. But what do you think are some of the missteps that you've made that have actually helped you to grow? What are the mistakes you've made that you think, oh my gosh, that actually helped me change the way I do my business? Mm -hmm. So many mistakes. But that's okay. They're more learnings. Um, I guess that comes back to the mindset thing. So one other thing for me that has been a huge struggle, which kind of touches on what you mentioned earlier, is kind of moving away from the freelance mindset into a business mindset. Like I said, that is just not something that comes naturally to me. I find business a little bit confusing. Like there's so many different elements and so much accounting, so much maths, which is not my vibe. So I feel like, yeah, yeah, trying to understand the business side of things has been really tricky for me. And like I said, still working on that now, I guess probably the biggest thing for me that I did in the beginning was offer too many services. So when I first started, I kind of positioned myself more as a creative studio and I blended all of my skills together. So at that point, I did styling, I did social media and I did copywriting and I found that didn't really work because I I think my intention for that was if I offer lots of different things, well, obviously I'll be able to bring on more clients, but as soon as I niched down and got rid of the social media and the styling and focused on copywriting, that's when people started to come. So I think I probably should have done that in the beginning, but looking back, having those extra services, it's probably not something I did wrong, but it definitely helped me realize that niching down is more beneficial and will work better in the long run. So 
that's probably the main thing. Uh, I guess another, I love that. yeah. Another thing for me is trying to do everything myself, which any business owner would know, especially in the beginning when you don't really have money to be paying people, you have to do everything, even if it means you have to stay up till 3am. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I think now I'm understanding the value of outsourcing. And even if it does cost money, you're going to make that money back because you've got so much more time in your day to work on your business. So yeah, outsourcing for me is something that I'm really, really focusing on now. And it helps me kind of have some time to work on things like my blog content or my Instagram or my podcast, or even just emailing people and trying to attract more work. So yeah, they're probably the main things I would say. And I guess one more thing is kind of working with people who aren't a right fit, which comes back to that. You feel like you, you don't want to, you want to please everybody. So you just say yes to everything, but often that doesn't really work out in the long run. You're better off picking people that are a better fit for you and your business. I totally agree with that. I think that has been 100% something that I've learned and probably still learning (laughs) all the time. It's this thing of actually, I think it's also a confidence thing, right? To go, no, no, no. I'm not the best fit for you. Mm-hmm. You're better off going with this person and they're going to help you significantly more than I could. And I think having that that awareness but also confidence in yourself to go, if I say no to this, there will be more work. Yes. There will always be more work. Yeah, but and it's so tempting as well. Like if somebody comes yes. to you and obviously they're – willing to pay you and you're like, well, I need to pay my rent. So I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to say yes to this project. But I think you get to a point where you're like, okay, no, if I leave some space in my schedule and my life, other work will come and it will be a better fit for me. And I've had instances where I have ended a relationship that wasn't a good fit, or maybe that particular project has just come to an end. And literally 10 minutes later, someone else walks into my inbox and they're a perfect fit. So I feel like you have to have the space and the time to accept those new projects. And if you're constantly working with people just for the money or because you want to have lots of clients on your roster, then you're not leaving yourself open to those dream clients. It would be better fit for you. Ah. So much wisdom. I feel like I'm like <laughs> wanting to like say amen while you're, while you're talking. Yeah, we're on the same so page. So good. Oh my gosh, we totally are. So when you started, how did you actually build your network? So you're like day one and bossy. What, what did you do? How did you actually get clients on? Mm, so like everyone, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when I first started, I didn't have one client. Um, I remember when I got my first client and I was like, cool, I'm just going to have to pretend I know exactly what I'm doing. I did the whole Google, like that asked me to do things and I'd be like, yeah, no problem. And then I go away and Google it. Um, So it's definitely been a slow burn. And even today I get basically all of my work through word of mouth. I didn't really put much effort into growing my network in terms of marketing, because I just wasn't really sure what I should be doing. And I was very overwhelmed. So I think my strategy was I will accept a project. And then if I blow these people out of the water, they will either come back or they will tell their friends. So that was pretty much my strategy and how I've got all my work. I just get it through word of mouth. Um, I also focused a lot on relationships. So there's people that I I was working with 
we're more sort of friends and some of those clients I still have today and I often get feedback from clients who say that they're not really agency people. I say that in quotation marks because they feel like it's kind of a bit stiff or some agencies tend to set and forget. So I've kind of used that as a bit of a driving force and really, really focus on my relationship with clients or even potential clients. The other thing that I did was cold emailed everybody. Like I literally, even to this day, I I create spreadsheets where it's all my dream clients, anyone that I would love to work with. And I just send them a really good pitch email. I think you've got to figure out what your strength is. I'm terrible on the phone. Like, don't call me on the phone. (laughs) I sound like I'm five years old, but I can write a good email. So rather than calling people, I would just email people and try and meet up with them for coffees. So just figuring out what my strengths were and sticking to them and then really focusing on the work um, and trying to do the best that I can. So the, the word spreads. I think now that I have a team that can help me a little bit more, I am planning to do more marketing stuff. So obviously I've started the podcast. I have some really great ideas that I've been working with on, with someone on my marketing and just kind of fun activities. So now that I've finally outsourced and am getting people to help me with the copywriting, I have a little bit more time to focus on that stuff. Um, because in the past, I just have not had any time. So I've had to rely on word of mouth. So yeah, that's the plan coming, coming up to next year. So, so cool. And you know, before we jump into some practical copywriting advice, because me personally, I'm excited to hear your advice on all these things. When you first started Bossy, what's the biggest piece of advice that you wish you knew when you started? Oh my gosh. Yes. So many again. I actually did a podcast myself on this. um, I think it was like 20 things I wish somebody taught me when I started Bossy. So I think for me, because business doesn't really come that naturally to me. Probably the main thing is just getting everything in order. So obviously everything doesn't have to be perfect. There's never going to be a perfect time to launch a business, but I think even things like getting your finances in order, if you can't afford an accountant, having software, like a free version of software, or at least a spreadsheet, making sure you put your tax aside, um, allocating different budgets to different things. These are all things that I was just so overwhelmed by because I am obviously a writer. Maths and numbers to me is not my jam. And even things like my other processes, like project management, um, briefing how I would send like a questionnaire to someone so I think in the early days when you do have a little bit more time up your sleeve and you're waiting for clients to come and knock at your door set up your processes get all of those things in place so you've got a bit of a framework and then that will help you down the track when you do start outsourcing some project or start getting help you've already got those systems in place that they can just jump on board Um, so yeah that's something that I wish that I did in the very early days I did have like say a spreadsheet for my finances but even maybe um, having a chat to an accountant before you even start just to figure out what you should and shouldn't be doing just kind of all those practical things the other thing that I wish that I knew was about diversifying my income so like we were talking about before I'm planning on doing a course next year or releasing a course next year because I feel like at the moment when you're working with clients you're always capped and you can never level up so 
thinking about how you can creatively diversify your income. That's something that I wish that I kind of focused on in the beginning, but I didn't really have time. So now I'm going to do that this year. (laughs) I love it. And I can't wait to hear more about the course because I think that is going to be of so much interest and benefit to the people listening today. Hopefully. So, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. So let's get into some copywriting tips because I feel like copywriting can feel like the wild, wild west, you know, and I think marketing is a little bit like that too, where it's like, you have no idea. It can be tricky to even know where to start. Who's the right person to engage? Can you do it yourself? And if you do engage someone, how much is it even going to cost? There are so many questions, right? So before we get into the, you know, the practical tips, what do you actually see as the main purpose of copywriting? Like what is, what is good copywriting supposed to do? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people get really, really confused by copywriting. And I think it's because when we hear copywriting, we tend to think of the traditional sense of copywriting, which might be for an ad or just kind of like stringing words together. A lot of people think I'm a copyright lawyer, which I think is hilarious. (laughs) So a lot of people don't even know what copywriting is. I guess you can kind of split it into the different areas. So for me, a really big service that we offer at Bossy is tone of voice. So tone of voice is kind of like creating the character behind your brand. And the reason we do that is so your brand connects with you or relates to you. So for me, I like to think of tone of voice as kind of the word version of branding. So when you find an amazing brand, say on Insta, or if you're in a store and you see something on the shelves, you're so drawn to it because of the colors and the fonts and everything, just the vibe about it. So for me, tone of voice is yeah, just the word version of that. So for me, tone of voice is really, really important. I might be biased, but that's what I think. And then in terms of actual copywriting, it's not just stringing words together. I think it's all underpinned by strategy. So it's choosing the right words for a purpose, whatever that purpose might be. It could be that you want to sell something. You might have a message to communicate. You might want to connect with your audience or make someone laugh or think or cry. So rather than just focusing on say the features of a product or service or just writing a few words because you are good with spelling and grammar, it's more so about digging deep into how that product or service will affect someone's life and kind of tapping into their emotions and the psychology of it. So yeah, it's a little bit more strategic than just writing, but then there are so many different types of copywriting too. So there could be sales. My style is probably a little bit more creative. So even if it is sales copy or kind of tapping into the emotions, I always try and think of really creative concepts to tell a story and really keep people reading because that's the whole point. You want to keep people reading your copy. That is so good. Now, is there actually a different approach for sales copywriting and content writing and copywriting that would go on a website about page? Like, is there a different approach for that? Yeah. So I think it's more so about each and every writer has their own approach. So you can whatever your approach might be, you can apply it to all of those, whether it's sales or brand or content. Usually sales copywriting is more so about using psychology and clever messaging to tap into the customer's mind so you can really relate to them or 
tap into their pain points or create trust and make them feel understood. So if you're doing that and then you're showing someone why they can't live without a particular product or service, then they're more inclined to buy. So yeah, it's more about using the psychology, whereas brand copywriting, it really depends on the brand. Some brands might be really fun and cheeky. Other brands might be really sleek and professional. So That can always filter through every part of your business, whether that's your Instagram captions or your website copy, like you said, the about page, even things like your internal documents. So I think that's where tone of voice really comes into play. And it's really important because at the end of the day, you're kind of conveying your brand's personality and evoking a feeling in your customer or your potential customer. So for me at Bossy, it's all about being cheeky and having fun and pushing the boundaries a little bit. So I make sure that that filters through all of my copy from when somebody emails me to my Instagram captions, even like our proposals and our contracts that we send to clients are all written in a really fun tone of voice. So yeah, really depends, I guess, on the writer and what your style is, but you can always tweak things based on the tone of voice as well. I love that. And I love what you're saying about your internal documents being part of that same tone of voice. And, you know, emails from you, they do, they're in your tone and they do have that fun cheekiness to them. And I've not really thought about that before. So that's really cool to be thinking. It's not just about what you're putting out online to prospective Mm -hmm. clients. It's actually about how you communicate internally as well. That's, that's really, really cool. And I think with that, obviously you're conveying your brand's personality. So if you think about a person if they have a certain personality, it usually filters through every part of their life. So if somebody's really loud and fun, chances are that they dress that way as well. They might wear color or they might tell a lot of jokes or they might be famous for their storytelling or just certain things. It kind of filters through everything. And it's the same with brands. I feel like if you have a particular brand personality, it needs to be filtered through everything, whether people are seeing or not, because that essentially is the brand personality at your core. So, and for example, with me, with Bossy, I try and filter everything through, like I said, with contracts and everything, but even down to how I structure Bossy, you know, expanding into the super group, I've kind of tried to think of every single part of the business a little bit more out of the box and a little bit more creatively. So yes, it's about the copy, but it also comes down to all of the content I produce the sorts of brands that I work with and even how I structure the business. So even that comes into play as well. I love that. And I I was having a conversation um, recently with someone and we were talking about the fact that when you start a business now in 2021, you're not just building a business, you're building a brand Mm -hmm. and the two are so linked and you can't, you can't just build a business, like start a business and think, oh, okay, that's all I need to do there's a brand element that is what people remember. Mm -hmm. It's how people recognize you. And so when people forget about the brand side, they're really missing the part that sticks, the part that people go, oh, like they're doing something really cool or I know that they have expertise in this particular niche because the brand really communicates that for them. And I really believe that in business, it's not the best service provider or the best product that wins. I think it's the best communicator. Mm -hmm. And so in your copy and in your brand visually, in your photography, all of these things are communication tools. And 
we we have the opportunity to actually make sure that all those elements actually tie in with your overall brand. So yeah, definitely. And I, I think, think that is. I was just going to say. I also think one thing that people get a bit stuck on is they forget that at the end of the day, your brand or business already has a personality. So even if you haven't really done that intentionally, if you have a brand, you have a brand personality. So the public are already perceiving you however they like or however you've positioned yourself. So if you've just kind of rushed your copy on your website, your Instagram content isn't that engaging and you just kind of do that to have an online presence, regardless, people are going to perceive your business in a certain way. So in my opinion, if they're already perceiving it in a certain way, you may as well put in a little bit more effort and position yourself how you'd rather be perceived by changing or tweaking your content or your copy across everything. And that's so cool. Like you have a brand personality by default and I love that. I think that's that makes so much sense. Yeah. So if if someone is engaging a copywriter and this is honestly this is more for me than you know for anyone listening how much does copywriting really cost because I feel like you can get a quote for 10 grand or 500 bucks and it can just be like I don't know what is the difference like how do you actually like do you have any rough guides for what someone should expect to pay or spend with a good copywriter? Yeah, so I think obviously like anything particularly creative, it varies by experience. So as a bit of a ballpark, I would say maybe a junior copywriter would charge 40 to $50 an hour, whereas a senior copywriter might charge 150 to $200 an hour. Obviously, if you're working with an agency, then they you have to take those sorts of costs into consideration as well. But lots of amazing copywriters fall in between those two costs. So it really depends on your budget. For me, I think it's more about finding the right fit. So just as you would do with, say, design or something else creative, I would probably suggest reaching out to a few people that you think might be a good fit for you and just gathering some quotes based on what you need. I think you'll be able to tell even by a phone call or an email if they're the right fit for you. Often clients will request to chat to me on the phone just to get a sense of whether I'm like a good fit for them, which is totally understandable because if everybody has such a different writing style, you really need to find a good match for your brand. And if you can find a couple of people that seem like they're a good fit, then you can start gathering quotes and assessing them and comparing them and seeing which one you can afford. So yeah, I think definitely shop around and do your research. Um, And also you have to take into consideration that copywriting, because it's creative, some people might take a little bit longer and some people might be really, really fast. So if you're writing a caption, that's obviously going to take much shorter time than writing a long form blog post. So I think you'd kind of need to consider or even check in with the copywriter a bit of a ballpark on how long they think it might take. So if you send them a brief and say, you know, I need X amount of blog posts, they should be able to give you an hourly rate and basically an indication of how long they think that those tasks will take, which can be a good starting point to compare. That's so, so helpful. And if someone is outsourcing and engaging a copywriter, are there any red flags you think that they should look for? Is there anything that you think stands out as, oh, that's that's going to be a bit of a headache? Yes, I have a few. <laughs> so if they're <laughs> really cheap, then 
probably not a good idea. Like anything, if it's too cheap, it's probably too good to be true. And you're probably not going to get the quality of copywriting that you want. So definitely try and find something that might be mid-range for your budget. Another key thing is if they don't ask you for much information. So for me, I have a questionnaire, a bit of a briefing questionnaire that I sent all my clients. And I think they hate me because there's 5 billion questions in this questionnaire. But I find that it gives me everything I could possibly need to do the best job. And it gives me all the practical information I need to actually include in the copy, but then I have lots of questions in there to understand the brand and the tone. So I find that that helps me do the best job that I can. So I think if a copywriter isn't really gathering as much information, I wonder what they will write. Like what information are they going to include? How do they know what tone to write in? So yeah, Basically assessing their briefing process can be really helpful and maybe even asking them that when you're gathering those quotes, you know, what do you need from me to get started and reviewing it from there? And I think also just seeing if you vibe, if they don't, if you're not really liking how they write their emails, for example, or um, if you're not really vibing on the phone, then they're probably not going to get you. I find that if their email doesn't really mirror the tone that you're after, it's kind of a bit of a sign that maybe you're not a good fit. So even kind of reading between the lines and seeing how they communicate and whether they might be able to switch up their tone of voice based on what you need. That is so, so good and so helpful. And so because a lot of our audience are small business owners and and potentially when they're starting out, they don't necessarily have the budget to outsource to a copywriter. Mm -hmm. What are your top copywriting tips for a person starting a business from scratch who doesn't have the budget to outsource and is trying to DIY their copy. Do you have any top tips for us? I sure do. So I think first of all, do lots of research. So basically stalk as many brands as you possibly can until you find one or a few that really resonate and sound like they have a similar direction to what you're going for. Make sure you look across like a really good mix of industries, fashion, beauty, food, everything. And then once you do find one or two brands that you think mirror the tone that you're going for, read all of their content, read everything on their website, read all of their Instagram captions. This really helps you get into the frame of mind. And it's something that I do even now. So if I'm working on a client project, before I get started, I will have to go back and read all of the content that I've previously written for them to try and get into character. So that will help you as a starting point. It will help you get into that frame of mind and that character so you can start writing your own content in that same tone. And even look at things like how they structure their Instagram captions or how they structure their about page. Not saying it's your copying, but just seeing what sort of topics they touch on and how they speak about those topics. I would also suggest using software like Grammarly. So that's kind of a really basic tip, but something that's really, really helpful if you're not really confident with your spelling and grammar, but you can't afford to hire a professional to help you. So Grammarly is a really great tool. There's so many other great spelling and grammar tools that are free that can help you with that sort of stuff. Um, And I think the other thing for me, which people really get stuck on is not writing what you think people want to hear. So I think when we try and write some of our content or copy, 
we think about our audience and we think about what they would want to hear, but we, we forget to write like a person and write like a human and just be honest and authentic and upfront. So I think what I try and keep in mind is whenever you are writing some content, if it's coming from you personally, try to write it as if you're writing to a friend or even have a friend in mind when you are writing the content and then write whatever you want to write. You can always go back and tweak it to make it sound a little bit more professional or on brand. But I think that's a really good trick to, yeah, writing a bit more conversationally and a bit more like a human. (laughs) I love that. Now, do you recommend drinking wine whilst writing? Absolutely. (laughs) Good. I'm glad. Good. Because you know, I was thinking she hasn't said wine. <laughs> she I should have mentioned. mentioned. That was my first tip. Sorry, that's number one. Drink any sort Drink of alcohol. <laughs> Drink alcohol. It's good. Creative It juice. makes you a better writer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How funny. I love that. They are such good tips. Like already I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to go and rework all my copy. It's so helpful and practical. So mm. thank you so much. That's okay. That is that's amazing. Now, what is next for you and for bossy copywriting and all of the things you're doing? I know you've got so much in the pipeline. So yes. tell us about what's next. Well, what's next is me going on a summer holiday next week for three weeks. So I'm very excited <laughs> about that. Um, but after that, yeah, I have so many plans for 2021. I'm going to get back into podcasting because I have just wrapped up for the year. So hopefully interviewing some exciting guests and sharing a lot, lot more um, copywriting tips. I'm also planning on launching a course. So I think this course will be, I'm still working on the specifics, but basically I want to launch a course that is going to help small businesses or medium businesses if they can't really afford to hire a copywriter. This course will help them, I guess, write like a copywriter or at least understand tone of voice and copywriting so they can DIY for their brand until they get to a point where they can start outsourcing that to a professional. So that's probably my biggest 2021 goal. And now that I have a team that can help me and I'm outsourcing a lot more. Hopefully I will have more time to do it. And then lastly, I really want to focus on some really fun resources and products so I can add to my bossy shop, very bossy type products that I think will help people get through their day and help them become better writers as well. Oh, that's amazing. Do you have a name for the course yet? No, maybe I should have a competition (laughs) to come up with my course name. Yes. Although I feel like that's something that I should be okay at doing because that's my job. (laughs) That's your job. But also when it's your own thing, it's hard. Like we came up with um, my marketing playbook Mm -hmm. and I said to my husband, I was like, it just, I just kind of want it to be like a playbook for someone's marketing. (laughs) And, you know, I was like, like, kind of like their own marketing playbook, like my, my marketing playbook. And we were both like in the car, like, that's it. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes the names come to you so easy and other times you're up like all hours of the night trying to think of something. And I'm yeah. a huge overthinker. So I will not be able to sleep for six months thinking about the course name. So <laughs> I feel like it will, it will just come to you, but also I like the idea of it being like a crowdsourced. Yeah. Name. That would be fun. I think. Yeah. I, I even did that for my podcast and I, lots of people had some really fun names. So yeah, maybe I need to do that again. Yeah, absolutely. And you have a downloadable ebook and it's it's particularly for cover letters and career oriented things. But tell us a little bit about that and where people can find it. Yeah, so 
For some reason, I have become a careers expert. <laughs> I don't know how this <laughs> happened, but um, I do a lot of uh, writing for fashion journals. So I'm a contributing writer for them, but I focus mostly on uh, career content. So helping people with their resumes and cover letters and interviews and all that sort of stuff and helping them basically to land their dream job. So that sort of sparked the idea of creating a couple of resources, which you can find on my website. Um, and basically the first one is a how-to guide on how to write your cover letter, your resume, and your LinkedIn profile with personality, because I feel like there is too many boring LinkedIn resumes and cover letters out there. So this will help you still write professionally and have a chance getting the job, but writing more conversationally and writing like a human and writing with more personality. So for me, earlier this year when I recruited for all my new freelance writers, that that was really highlighted to me that people weren't really sure how to write. I had some amazing applications and then others that were just really, really dry to whom it may concern vibes. So I kind of wanted to create something to help people not submit boring applications and just, yeah, write with more personality. And then the second resource that I've recently done is more of a cover letter template. So if you read the ebook and you're like, this is great, but I still have no idea what I'm doing, you can actually just grab the template. It's a completely finished cover letter and all you have to do is tweak your info in there instead. I love that. That is so, so good. So thank you so much for joining us today. And where can people find you? Where can people follow you? Because I know a lot of people, when you have the course, you'll have to come back on because Mm -hmm. I know so many people will want to hear about that. And I feel like I definitely would love to do that course. (laughs) So where can people follow you to stay in the know? Yeah, so you can go to the website, which is bossycreative.com, and that's where you'll find all those resources. Obviously, I'm also on Instagram, so I'm at bossy.copywriting or at Elise Elise, spelled A-L-Y-C-E. And then I also have the podcast as well, which is The Bossy Type, which you can search for in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Amazing. Thank you so much, Elise. You are a wizard. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) No worries. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Bye. Bye. So there you have it. That is the play-by-play for this week. What I loved about what Elise shared is that when you make space for new projects, they actually come. It's, it's about making space for the right people that you want to work with. And so I hope that you found that encouraging. Now, if you're looking for any of the links we mentioned today, head on over to our show notes. You'll find everything there for Elise's website, for her Instagram, and also for her podcast as well. Now, as always, if you want to continue the conversation, head on over to our Facebook group. Just search for My Business Playbook. It's kind of like the after party of the podcast. And music from this episode is by the wonderful Jake Scott. You can listen to him on Spotify and Apple Music. As always, thank you for listening to My Business Playbook. Thanks for being part of the community. I'll catch you next week. Same time, same place. Go get him. Go get him.